Welcome to Prim and Prosper. I'm Elizabeth Hathaway. And I'm Marinella Mazzucato. So it is the week after Thanksgiving. We are hoping people had a lovely holiday or, uh, you know, spent the day doing things that you enjoy, which I think that concept ties nicely with what we're going to talk about today, which is all about family. Uh, And the holidays and family are a very touchy subject, but something that I think everyone has their own opinion on it, their own, you know, some people have that like hallmark family with all the traditions and all the different family members (laughs) that could be in a picture perfect painting. And then there's the rest of us who have some other type of family that doesn't fit in a Norman Rockwell painting. Um, So Marinella, I guess to kick us off, you know, what I mean I hate to be like what do you how do you define family because that seems obvious but like what do you consider family um what I consider family is like doesn't have much to do with like biology as it used to like I would probably if you asked me like 10 years ago what does family mean to me I'd be like you know blood relatives but now I see family more as those that you feel you know, you can count on, you know, people who are going to be there for you, you want to be there for them, um, you are interested in their life, um, you know, you invest time, you put energy into your relationships with them, that to me is what family stands for. Yeah, I I think my evolution is similar to yours about as far as how I see family. I used to think of it strictly as blood relatives. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it's just us. I do see like a trend in larger society that reflects this, your chosen family, like the fact that there's a term like your chosen family, the people that you choose to kind of spend your time with and consider your closest loved ones. Um, and also I see things like Friendsgiving. A lot of people do a Friendsgiving and that's almost just as important, if not important than a family Thanksgiving that they may have. Um, so yeah, I, I think this idea of family has loosened over the years to kind of include people you're not biologically related to, but are your most loved, important people. Um, people who I think you said are there for you when you need them most. Um, yeah. People hold your deepest, darkest secrets, you know, like where you murdered and hid that body. <laughs> yes, to which I could say that family could also extend to animals who know all of those secrets. So, you know, maybe you have a bond with uh, a, a cat and a dog, and those are the people that you are living beings that you uh confide in and that support you and it's a nice exchange too so you could consider that family as well yeah and I absolutely would I think well I mean it says right there in the description of our podcast that you know we're both like animal lovers cat ladies dog ladies so um I think it comes as no surprise that I also agree I think pets are an important part of at least my family or who I consider my family. But I think for many people, and you and I were chatting a bit about this before we started recording, I think another component to pets being part of family that I see at large in society, though, is that it's not as accepted. It's like there's two camps. There's the people who totally get it and they probably have a pet too. And they're like, oh my gosh, yes, my pet's my child. It's my fur baby. 
And then you have those who maybe don't have pets or just have never really cared or bonded too much with animals and they do not get it. And that part of society is not very, um, I, I don't know, like they don't give space for grief. They don't understand grief around loss of a pet or or people who celebrate their pet's birthdays or put their pets on holiday cards, you know, like all of that stuff. So I feel like there's these two camps in the world, whereas most people are accepting of the concept of bringing in friends as family. I feel like pets is maybe not quite progressed as well into that family category. Yeah, I think I'm so progressed that like I consider my friends that are family that their dogs are like my not my, like my dog's family too and I'm like that's your you know your cousin and it's just normal to me but I'm sure like if I tell that to somebody who's not an animal lover they're gonna be like what a weirdo you know mm-hmm. but um you do care for pets like a child you like if you're doing it the way that I would do it at least I agree I take care of Walter my cat very much as though he were my child Um, He has, you know, the highest quality cat food. He has got, I used to buy him fancy toys. I actually stopped buying him fancy toys because he doesn't play with them. I mean, that whole like joke about cats preferring the box that the toy came in rather than the toy itself is 100% true. So I've learned to yeah give him toys of like an Amazon box. Here you go, Walter. You can play with this for three days before I take it out back to the recycling. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on this. I treat my pet like a baby. Yeah. And you know, that Amazon box, you got yourself a gift, hopefully. And so two people received, or two beings, living beings. So uh, bringing it back to our both of our like initial understanding of family being the biological family, I guess maybe... What are you comfortable sharing about like your family and your upbringing and how you saw relationships with those family members? Like who were you just like a very nuclear family or did you have a lot of extended cousins, aunts, uncles? Like what did that look like for you? Looking back for me, I didn't realize like how much of my family upbringing revolved around extended family. Like there was very little time like spent that it was just like, me, my mother, my brother, and my father. First off, my dad worked like a night shift. So it was, he was kind of scarce already in that way. But my mom had a lot of, you know, uh, cousins and her sisters and uh, grandparents and like everything involved a massive amount of people. So it almost is like a foreign concept for me to have like time, like anytime now that I've spent time with like my parents and my brother and just me. It's kind of uncomfortable because you've relied so much on like all these other people being part of what family means. And, you know, when you don't have all those cousins and uncles and their kids and all that stuff, you kind of feel like it's not right. It doesn't feel complete because somebody's being left out. I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but I feel as though that is what I imagine when I think of Italian families is these big families where you're very close to your aunts, uncles, cousins, and that's like your family unit and you spend important, you know, whether it's holidays together or just family days or, you know, and you, I just also imagine getting together and cooking large meals 
for Italian families. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it feels like a very like I watch The Sopranos and that's what I learned. But would you say that that's kind of true to your family? It's very true. Like those, um, the Godfather movies, like that wedding, the first Godfather, I was like, that's a wedding. That's every Italian wedding I've ever been to and ever will go to. And that's just the way it is. Are you telling me that your family is family runs the mafia? They may have. I don't know. You know, we can't, we can't divulge the details of things, but you know, there's a violent streak in us all. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think only now recently that like, we're the first generation of Americans born that we're not like carrying on this tradition of involving every cousin, uncle, aunt, everything that it's kind of like kind of dying out. Oh, that's interesting. Concept of family and our parents, like my parents and my cousin's parents, they're in a kind of uncomfortable state because they're like, we're going to have to focus on our nuclear family because every cousin, uncle, and whoever doesn't necessarily want to be involved like they used to be because it's we're kind of moving out of this Italian way. Hmm. Very interesting. So I feel like my upbringing was quite the opposite of yours, which is probably not totally surprising, right? Like I'm an only child. Both of my parents had siblings. My dad's family kind of scattered throughout the United States, so he didn't physically we never really lived physically close to any of them my mom's family they both stayed her she has two sisters and they both stayed in the Massachusetts New England area Uh, but when we moved away moved to Florida as far as like biological family it was myself my mother my father and then my maternal grandparents so for most of my life that's what I considered my family unit you know the nuclear family and then that one set of grandparents that that live close by um but as time passed i lost those family members so now it's just my father and i and we we don't live physically close together but he's like the biological relative that i am most frequently in touch with i am loosely in touch with my mom's family and the my dad's like siblings extended family, but we certainly don't see each other. We don't get together for like holidays or anything. It's more like, you know, we send cards or hop on a phone call once in a while, but it's not get togethers. My dad's family will do a family reunion once every like five to 10 years. But even that's just essentially his siblings, their spouses and the cousins. So there's not many of us. So yeah, very different um, upbringing as far as like quote unquote, what was considered like the size of the family when we would get together. That sounds refreshing, honestly, but you know, (laughs) it's just, it's so opposite. I guess I, I just, I get so curious about like, you know, getting to know somebody. I I feel like maybe you get to know people better when you're so able to like be more one-on-one. Like sometimes I just feel like we're such a big crowd. You're not really sure what's going on with anybody. You don't really know too much about the people. You're just like kind of getting a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, right, there was certainly like a a good amount of intimacy. Like I I knew my grandparents, my mother and my father, probably better than I wish I did. But I also missed, or I was always like had a little bit of jealousy over the community aspect that I felt like my family didn't necessarily have. Because I remember, right, like, 
Home Alone, I feel like, was a huge movie when we were growing up. And now I live very close to the Home Alone house. Actually, fun fact, and I won't I won't segue too far away from this um, point, but my very first Christmas in Chicago, I spent with some friends. And we, um, one of them got a GPS f- for Christmas. And we decided to... Um, program in the home alone house to the gps and we rode out to it at like 10 p.m on christmas night it was the first first ride with her new gps or the first address she used in it but anywho lots of people go to it and you like stand outside and take pictures and i just feel so horrible for the people who own the home alone house (laughs) um but back to my point you know in that movie it's like they're getting together they have a large family with like a bunch of kids but it's also like a couple siblings and then they're flying to france to be with more family and like whenever they show the family all together in france it's like 30 kids you know all the spouses and brothers sisters whatever so anyways i was always very jealous because that seemed idyllic to me to have this like big community family gathering around the holidays and we didn't do it in my family yeah and and there are good memories and there was you know a lot of fun stuff but i i will say like as people start to like dwindle down or like get other families it's it's kind of sad because you're like this is so different and it's like a trickling strange effect so it's just kind of an adjustment to like okay this is like the original family again okay we can we can get to know each other we we can do this (laughs) yeah i also wonder like not just specific to your family or mine but in the u.s especially women are and men as well are having children at an older age Um, And then, right, couples, I know this is true, at least in the U.S., I'm sure it's not true in every country, but um, they're not having as many kids as they used to, or a lot more people are having no children. So I also think families who maybe were close-knit and you would get together and have, you know, four generations in one room, it's just not going to happen as much anymore because if you have people either not having children or having them much later in life, those generations become, you know, larger gaps. Yeah, like... A lot of my cousins have, you know, three kids, four kids, and me and my brother are the exception. We have no kids, and we're, you know, we're getting up there. He's married. He might have a kid, but, you know, I'm single. I'm not sure about a kid, so, yeah, it's kind of, like, different for that generation, I guess, to kind of, we're slowing things down, you know, maybe by the time, you know, they say this all the time, like, Uh, I'm going to be like 80 by the time I have a grandchild. And I'm like, you might be. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's not uncommon for women to be close to 40 or in their early 40s when they have their first child, right? So then if that trend continues, yeah. Yeah. You'll be close to 80 when you're a grandparent. So when did you start kind of considering friends as part of your family? Like what age were you? Are you still close to those friends or have those friendships kind of you know left or grown apart I guess there was a little bit of that even growing up like my mom had um she had close friends that she like went to high school with that she kept in touch with and I I think you have a similar um relationship with one of your mom's friends daughters yeah where I got close to their kids you know so like 
our moms were best friends and then you know growing up we were really close friends that i regarded them as family i didn't maintain like a friendship with them now that i've gotten into my 30s it's kind of like you know i i know what's going on with them but that's kind of when i started seeing like this person's more important to me than a friend i want them to be involved more so you're right my mother had a best friend from college they met when they were 18 hit it off had maintained their friendship their whole life and um i am still close to so my mother's best friend also only had one child so we're both only children and she's like 11 almost 12 years younger than me (laughs) because her mother wanted to get her phd and and really kind of focused on that path of her life before she had children so yeah so i'm much older but we still get together that's actually who i spend thanksgiving with every year uh her daughter lives in north dakota uh so that's where i go every year for thanksgiving and it is i guess essentially a friendsgiving but we do think of ourselves as family we've been spending thanksgiving together for i don't know 15 maybe 16 years so you know she was a kid when we started so to her you know i've been an older sister essentially her whole life or well yeah her whole life changed i changed her diapers you know (laughs) yeah i mean so wait when you started going there she was like a real little kid no 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 i mean i've just known her since she was a real little kid when i started going Uh, there for thanksgiving she was probably like 11 at the time um yeah i've just known her since she was an infant so i've I have changed those diapers. Oh, that's so sweet, though. <laughs> I've also, I think, changed. I think I may have also changed our friend Ashley's little sister's diaper as well at one point. Or was there when Ashley did it. So, you know. Oh, gosh. Oh, well, now she's changing diapers. We're old. We're getting we're getting old. Oh, no. We are. But Ashley be another one that like I was an early was one of my earliest friends that I would have started to consider family. And I don't really know when that shifted. It's not like one day I just woke up and decided she was family. I think at a certain point you do realize that um, like your lives have become, you know, so involved with each other. You know each other on such a deep level and you're part of day-to-day things, but also part of just like big life moments, hard life times, all of that jazz. And you go through enough of those and yeah. I, I consider, I think we've mentioned it before in this podcast, there's you, me, and a few other girlfriends we all met essentially in college, even though some of us knew each other from high school. And um, I consider all of you family because we've known each other for, as an entire group, we've known each other for, what, like 18 years? Yeah. I think I met you guys when I started college and I was 18. So, yep, 18 years. Been through a lot of crap. And uh, I don't know, you do. You come out family on the other side of it, I think. Yeah. And I think, like, their partners and, you know, spouses and their kids, I consider them family as well. You know, I'm a little bit more invested in what's happening with them than, like, the guy at work's kids. It's just, you know, it's little extensions of them. That's what I see them as. So. Um, but another thing, like, I also still consider, like, to an extent, like, my ex-girlfriend's family was very much, like, some somebody I got close with. So I still kind of consider them family, even though we've parted ways. Like, I still keep in touch with her mom. You know, it's still somebody I'm close with. 
um, which is kind of a weird area, but it's not really like somebody I'm willing to give up at the same time. Yeah, I was going to ask how that is because, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. If you had children together, society deems it like okay that you maintain a relationship because it's, you know, for the sake of the child to, you know, have their family all still have some level of relationship, even if it's just like co-parenting or co-whatever. But yeah, society has this like weird judgment of families who don't have a child but still maintain some sort of relationship friendship after the the breakup of the couple and that's so um it's so weird that like having a child makes that okay but not having a child doesn't you still had all of those years where you were very invested in each other's lives so many memories so many moments together um I don't know to me it makes sense that you'd want to maintain perhaps some level and I also understand people who don't want to and feel like they just need to totally cut off everyone i i can understand both sides of that yeah but i feel like it should be your choice and you shouldn't be judged for it yeah in a lot of ways like i thought that i i shouldn't be allowed to be close with her family like i kind of thought that's your family they're yours like i don't want to cross a boundary so i was kind of a little bit you know to myself but as things you know popped up in this year i kind of found myself thinking you know this was easy to talk to with my ex-girlfriend's mom or you know, like how much I connected with certain family members. And she was very much like, I don't care. Like, if you want to be close with these people, I've always told you my family's here for for you. And it just feels so foreign because my family is very much like, you hurt my daughter, you're dead to me. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like such a different concept where it's like, I feel like I'm being selfish because I'm getting parts of a family and she's not getting the same but at the same time it's like the bond wasn't there for her like it was for me yeah 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 well and you know that's i guess i didn't even consider that the other person involved in this is like the ex of the couple and you're right like if it's a situation where maybe they don't want you in touch there's a lot of different people's feelings and opinions to consider in that Mm -hmm. All that being said, I think if everybody's agreeable and you're all adults, and if you can come to an adult decision, I don't think there's anything um, weird about maintaining a friendship with, I don't know, how would you describe it, like ex-in-laws or or what have you, Um, even if there's not a kid involved. Because, look, it's hard to find good people in the world. Yeah. Especially people who care about you. Yeah. You know, you got to hold on to those. Yeah. We have some unspoken rules, you know, like we're not going to be talking dating life and stuff like that we're just going to leave it alone and uh it doesn't feel like the time and place but other than that like they're people that i would consider family still along this line of boundaries and family are there any biological family members that you feel like you've had to kind of step away from or completely cut off Obviously, I guess if you're not comfortable, we can, we can edit this out if you're not comfortable sharing. Um, I mean, there are certain family members that I, you know, just time and completely different values and that I just, I guess I don't think of anymore. And it just naturally feels like don't come looking for me for much. And I feel like that's 
mutual, but um, I've had to put boundaries up just because our families have been so, I guess the term is like enmeshed, where like you can't have a problem and not become everybody's business or everyone's got some kind of emotional tie to it, you know, and like you get dragged into so much that you kind of have to learn, like, I guess I learned through therapy that my number one go-to is like, that's none of my business. And there's a lot of that. Yeah. Where I feel that way, but my family doesn't. (laughs) Like everybody's business is everybody's business. Yeah. And that's another thing that was very opposite from my experience growing up. We were very private. And my parents, this is especially true of my mother, less true of my father, but still true of him. Um, If there was a concern or an issue, it was just like handled between the parties involved and like nobody else. And it was like you locked it down and pretended that there wasn't an issue around others and then when others have left is when you would bring that back up so we anyways I grew up with things being very private not enmeshed relationships in any way that being said I mean it probably has left me less likely to reach out for support and help because I feel like for some reason I need to figure things out on my own so, you know, it's it's not like that was some perfect upbringing. I don't mean to... It has its drawbacks, trust me. Um, but I, to, your, to the earlier question I asked you about if you've had to, like, cut out any family members, I have not had to. I don't, I don't have anyone in my family, you know, that I would have considered toxic or unhealthy for me in any way, but I... I will say to your point about just kind of like naturally drifting apart that maybe we're just dissimilar people with different values, different interests, probably live not close to each other. I have definitely drifted from family members. Um, There's, you know, one thing that's tough both on both sides of my family, both my mom and father's sides is their cousins are different ages than them and then they have their children at different ages and their cousins so there's huge age gaps between most of my cousins and myself there's only a handful of cousins that are relatively close in age so that's another thing too like when my cousin's 15 years older than me and I'm pretty much closer in age to her kid you know it's it's hard um that's hard to maintain a relationship Mm -hmm. Very different stages of life. I probably do well because people that are much older than me tend to be my niche. I don't know what it is, but it's like uh, <laughs> I was always like just gravitated towards people that were older. But yeah, um, I'm trying to think now. Like I've, I guess there's been situations where people in my family have asked me to cut ties with other people because of something that happened with them. Which Ooh, that's a um, tough position. You know, it's 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 un- uncomfortable. You're like, uh, but they didn't do anything to me, and you know, I don't really feel like I should be cutting ties. And maybe the reason you're wanting to cut ties seems ridiculous to me. But there's a lot of that, like Italian, like respect. Like somebody disrespected your mom. Uh, don't talk to them anymore. And that's not something that I I cooperate with. I get a lot of 
backlash because I don't cooperate, but I just don't think it's a choice for other people to make for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree, but I'm also an only child who makes my own decisions and was not raised in a very communal family environment. So take what I say with that grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess for for future family hopes and dreams, what would you see? Like if you had a family of your own, like what's your, I guess, picture in your brain of like what you want your family to be? like that question uh so I think I picture my family being me and my partner and some fur babies I do I mean I have one cat now I'm trying it's right because I live in a Chicago apartment there's not not much space so I I do not need to be having too many pets but eventually I would love to have both a cat and a dog be one of those families you know, like a boy and a girl. I've got a cat and a dog. Oh, yeah. And I hope, I mean, in my ideal world, I would love if this person had a sibling that had children. But I do recognize that like, that's the, the weirdest thing to be picky about when you're looking for a partner. So I, it doesn't really matter, but it's something I could envision. Uh, but yeah, that's really kind of what... You know, me, a spouse, two fur babies, you know, still kick it with my dad. And hopefully he's at least has a close nuclear family. Um, how about you? What about your future idyllic family? I think mine's pretty similar. Although for Thanksgiving, I did my first turkey trot. And when you do those, you just see, I guess, the the cutest versions of what a family is. Because, they're you know, they're all like running together and it's just adorable but i think that what i'm what i want is that if if you have a family whether for me if it's a partner and you know dogs and cats it's like i just want to see that level of like involvement where you you like do things like that together that's more for me because i feel like that's something that maybe i didn't get enough of where it's like you're doing a lot with a ton of people, but you're not having those like small intimate things. So that's what I see in my future. While I hadn't stated that, I really love it. And I really want to, I'm going to go ahead and steal part of that idea for myself as well. Because I do want to have, you know, and I know next week we're going to talk about things like tradition. So I don't want to hop too much into that topic area. But um, I, I like that idea of doing like a turkey trot every year, having, I don't know, the things that you do that are adventurous that I don't know, maybe are normally relegated to family units with, you know, people with children. But why do they have to be? Sure, I'm not going to show up at Easter egg hunt and like mow down a bunch of two year olds for their eggs. I mean, like, what can you do? A turkey trot. Like, I can run past a jogging mom with her stroller and be like, bye. Um, that seems like such a cute, adorable way to spend Thanksgiving. It, Yeah, it was. And honestly, they didn't allow pets to be part of the turkey trot. But there were the dedicated few that had, like, a friend meet them at like the quarter mile mark with the dog and like people were taking their dogs on these runs and they were by themselves. So it's like 
people like that do exist that don't have a nuclear family. They are like waiting for the dog or, you know, their their partner's holding on to the dog and they're just cheering them on the sidelines. So it's like, you know, it's out there and there is opportunity for those things for people who don't have kids or like, you know, a huge, massive family. Oh my, it reminds me. So we, for Thanksgiving, when I get together uh, in North Dakota with my mother's best friend's daughter, we're just going to call her Brett to simplify this because that's her name. Uh, When Brett and I get together, (laughs) we play board games all weekend. And one of the board games we play is the game of life. And we used to, we don't have it anymore, but back in the day we had one of the original editions. I don't know if it was the original life, but like an earlier edition. I was reminded this Thanksgiving that in those editions, you wanted to have lots of kids because you could sell them at the end and get money. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? In the early yep. editions of life, you could sell them? Why? How? How is that equivalent in any way to life? I don't see your children paying you money or you being able to legally sell your children for money. I thought, you know, it's the most bizarre... Most bizarre life lesson for the game of life to try to be teaching. I guess closest you're going to get now is selling your eggs or surrogacy. I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, which I know some. Which I know someone who is actually doing the surrogacy program right now for a couple that can't, um, so that they can have a family because they can't get pregnant. So you know that's also. I wonder if like that becomes somebody that they're bonded with too. Interesting. Well, I I will add to, yeah, I will add to this story. I met a woman randomly through like a a work event thing who has been a surrogate three times for a family, which is just insane to me. Um, But apparently it's very common that if a family has to use a surrogate more than once. So if they want to have two kids, let's say, and they, you know, have a surrogate, they will use the same one. Like you get to know that family and she's only been a surrogate for that family. And she, um, she didn't know them beforehand. They met like when she signed up, I guess she just felt as though she had a calling to be a surrogate. I don't, I don't know. I didn't get into too much of that with her. But anyways, they only met at that time and she is very close to the family. So yes, I do think it bonds you. Yeah, I I wonder if the the surrogate ever feels like biologically bonded to the kid, even though they're not biologically tied. She did carry the baby, so I kind of wonder that kind of stuff. Um, I've considered doing it before, but then I'm like, uh, I don't really think I want to be pregnant. So that sounds like a hard no. <laughs> well, another thing I know most, like if you go through an agency, most require that you've already had a child on your own before. Yeah, I've, I've heard that because maybe there's like some regret as to like you got pregnant that one time and then right that was it and that went to somebody else. So, yeah. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, adoption is another interesting one. And I mean, I personally, I grew up, I've got one, two, three, four, I have four cousins who are adopted. Uh, And I should say like from three different family units. So like, I, anyways, both my mom and dad's sides, both had siblings who adopted. Um, And I 
consider those essentially biological. But what is interesting, I think in all of my cousins' cases, they were all closed adoption, so they don't know who their biological parent is. But that is becoming, I don't know if it's becoming more of a thing. I guess I'm not up up to date on adoption trends. But I do know that you can have open adoptions where you know who the biological parents are. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that's an interesting family dynamic as well because then you've got you know, p- potentially a relationship with both your biological and then, of course, your parents. Is open adoption like they know from the start or they have to wait to a certain age or just whatever rules they make? Yeah, I think it could be set up different ways. Um, again, I'm certainly by no means an expert in adoption, uh, but I do think it could be set up certain ways so i think it might be like when you're an adult you can go get the information but i think there's also people who have known like their entire life their biological parent is i had a friend who used um one of those like genetic swab whatever those Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's 23 and me or something and actually ended up finding her like biological dad um and having a relationship with him after, you know, 36 years of not knowing who he was. So she had, like, this idea built up in her head all these years of, like, what it would be like to have, you know, another side of her family. And she found herself very disappointed. She actually, like, built up this idea of who this guy was and... You know, she didn't have much tolerance for the differences, and it's kind of like she changed her idea, she said, of, like, what she thought having a family was. Because then she got married and still had her father, I guess, in her life, but it wasn't as important as it was when she didn't because now she kind of saw things differently. Hmm. Real interesting. I've I've heard different variations on the whole you know reasons for not getting genetic testing especially if you are adopted like right that that you don't necessarily know what information you're going to find and you know it's a I mean I'd be like it's a gamble but it's kind of a gamble um and especially if you are someone who's maybe built up an idea of of who this person is um I mean, I got my dad and I genetic testing a couple of years ago. I was curious because he doesn't know much about his maternal mother's side. And I've kind of been told, you know, that my my mother's side is a little bit of a mix. So I was kind of curious what would, you know, come out. But anyways, my, my point of this is I asked my dad, I was like, uh, you're not hiding from me that you're not my biological father and you've not commit a crime that you've you know gone away with for years that maybe you left dna behind at the crime scene (laughs) so that was about the level of serious talk i had with my father before we got testing well and also about like they'll have our dna on file forever so you know interesting there's that angle yeah i mean right you figure this company and who knows what they're gonna do with it um i i don't know you know i feel like smartphones the internet collects so much data on us anyways like what does it matter if like some dna i mean this you know i've been fingerprinted by the state before you know so i mean like what's a little extra dna out there 
but it is interesting. I've not, I did the 23 mean, I've not opened it up to connecting like the fit because you can leave that turned off. So I just did it to see kind of what my genetic makeup is, but I'm not necessarily looking at finding like distant cousins and, you know, I think my dad is doing a bit of that. I do think he's kind of turned on his like find your relatives feature and is connecting with people, but, but I have not. Yeah. I mean, I'd be curious if there's somebody I didn't know at this point, you know, (laughs) I'd be like, oh, thank God there's one more, you know, but the genetics testing, I guess, is probably the more commonly used part of those type of DNA things. Yeah. Although now they've got like the health part of it and I'm not, you know, look, I I don't know how accurate any of this stuff is. Um, I think the genetics testing, the more samples they get, especially of groups who have not like migrated out of the region that they were from originally, I think the more accurate that gets, but the health stuff, I, I I feel like health is, yeah, there's genetic components of course, but there's also a lot of environmental, you know, like what you eat, how much sleep you get, do you exercise, all of that plays a role into your health. So I don't know. I've, I've not done the health stuff, but I got to figure it's like, take it with a grain of salt. You might be predispositioned to something, but I can't imagine you're guaranteed any health outcome. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know about the health part, but I feel like that's like a, a WebMD nightmare waiting to happen. Like, oh, I could have all of these things. I don't have them yet, but I, you know, I'd probably lose my mind. So that's stuff I don't need to know, probably. Yeah, definitely a WebMD nightmare there. Uh, so I guess as we kind of wrap, next week we are going to talk about traditions. And I know family and traditions can kind of overlap, but I wanted to try to keep that line in the in the sand or in the snow if you're in the north. Uh, but are there any other thoughts you have on family? closing thoughts um i think my only other thoughts on family are you know it's really what you make of it you know the days of the the normal or whatever the rockwell painting family um it's over and that think that's kind of good it kind of can make you feel a little bit more normal wherever you're at yeah i agree families look very different nowadays and i think it should feel empowering to be able to have the family you want. And um, I don't think family should just be something that you're born with. Some people are born with amazing biological relatives or adopted into amazing families, but you know, sometimes you're not. And uh, you only have, as far as we know, one shot at life. So be empowered to build the family that you want. Yeah, or even if you are born into, like, the perfect biological family, maybe you're a total nutbag that doesn't fit, and it feels right to go somewhere <laughs> else, like, in, in it, and that's okay, too, I think. I think that's absolutely okay, too. And I think that's yeah. a perfect note to end on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take care. Yes, see you guys later. <laughs>